morning. This is Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Salvo. Today I have a part three. And if you follow this show at all, you know how rare a part three is. So this has to be someone that I just find completely special and, and you know, that can really kind of go the distance in depth. So today we have Zandra Haas. She's a contemplative psychotherapist and psychic medium on a mission to help you connect with your highest self. She is the creator of Soul Essence Wellness Center, an online energy medicine school where she helps others tap into their intuition, develop a deeper sense of embodied trust, and exist from a place of spiritfulness. Xandra weaves psychology, spirituality, and energy healing into all facets of her work to help people heal their mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. Check out Zandra's free podcast available on all major streaming platforms and YouTube videos under Soul Essence Wellness Center, or check out her website for more information on working with her at www.soulessencewellnesscenter.com. Well, my tongue's getting a little tied today, but that has nothing to do with you. So welcome back. Always nice to have you. It's so good to be back. Thank you for inviting me. We always have so much fun diving into all these things. (laughs) We do. And pre-recording, we both kind of agreed to have more of a, more Mm -hmm. of a real conversation today about, you know, from a, we're both spiritual people and practice a lot of spiritual tools and perspectives in our own, our own, you know, journeys there, but also we have full-time practices, right. As therapists Mm -hmm. and what was really kind of heavy on my heart because it's a topic that is coming up almost daily um, for me, and I'm guessing it is for you, is the state of the world right now, you know, with basically the culture of mass murder um, and random mass murder at that, right? So it's not targeted. It's not, it's not going postal, as they said before. You know, it's not necessarily with a mission or a purpose or against uh, with a vendetta. It's more of like if you're unfortunate enough to be at a certain place at a certain time, your life could be at risk or taken. And this is happening pretty much, you know, um, as far as we're concerned within our country, you know, I'm sure it's global, but we, I'm just really trying to focus on what's happening here and, and having just a real honest down to earth conversation with you about your experience, what you're seeing, you know, the signs and symptoms of trauma, the signs and symptoms of even, you know, secondary trauma, Um, it may not have happened to you, but I can't tell you how many clients that I've had. And I'm not saying you, Zandra, I'm just saying you, the listeners that sort of start crying, you know, and they're experiencing real emotional events based on things that have happened a couple States away, you know, or a thousand miles away or 2000 miles away, but there's still a real ethereal experience for them. So you know, thank you for being willing to just kind of show up and have this talk with me. And I, I just want to start picking your brain on what are you seeing and what are you experiencing? Yeah, there's so much to this topic. And I, I appreciated you sort of bringing it in because the, the goal is to be able to help people root into not feeling alone and to kind of keep that deep hearted hope and like humanness alive, like yes. alive um, yes. in a way, because at least, you know, what I'm seeing to be a parent right now is to be a superhero, really, <laughs> to, um, to be a parent and to sort of really hold on in terms of community, in terms of not falling into a fear space, I think is really difficult um, in a lot of ways, especially with a lot of the school pieces that have been happening. And for me, that's what I've been w- witnessing a lot of in terms of um, 
even like the vicarious trauma, there's a lot of folks around me that are pregnant and that are bringing kiddos into the world. And they're just like, how, how do I keep my kids safe? Right. How do I do everything that I need to do? And what if I do everything, but the right thing doesn't happen. Right. And there's just a deep um, kind of sense of grief um, and worry and a lot of anxiety that I'm sort of seeing, or that even that um, sense around, like, I'm afraid to go certain places or I'm not trusting things. There's a, like a lack of trust in humanity and there's a deep sort of anger and a resurgence obviously with people wanting different laws and things like that but a lot of my work is helping people really come back to their own really deep heart space and really kind of assessing the stories around like okay what stories do we want to feed here and what stories actually don't feel helpful because to feed a certain story means you can't actually function day to day with that what if kind of mentality. I'm curious if you're sort of seeing the same sort of thing. Again, I work with a lot of, um, and kind of coach a lot of parents with kiddos in that sector. So that part of a lot of the things that are happening comes up, but there are also folks just in general that are like, how do I trust humans, right? How do I stay with the perspective that we're all doing the best that we can with the knowledge that we have? It's hard to hold that perspective when there's no, it's hard to find a reason why someone would do something, you know, so awful. Yeah, absolutely. Everything you said, um, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I work with a lot of kids actually in school <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, what I tell them and I, I say it on a regular basis, I say, I am so sorry that this is your reality. Mm-hmm. My, my experience going to high school wasn't particularly pleasant. Um, you know, there were bullies and, you know, we had the bathroom walls and we had no passing and we had the gossip mill, but I never, ever once thought that someone was going to do what's been happening, you know, yeah. um, never. And it didn't happen in my era. It wasn't a normalcy back then. So, mm-hmm. you know, I felt particularly safe and, you know, I, I, I like to be really transparent. I have been a bully when I was in elementary school. And I was also bullied and, and I played both sides of that role. And, you know, I needed a lot of help when I was young and no one gave it, no one, no one saw the flag. So here I am today, um, trying to make the world a better place because of it. Right. But the reality was there just wasn't a lot of things in place back then. And now being a parent of high school, my daughter actually just graduated from high school last week. Um, and I still have a son in high school. It's a terrifying experience, even even from a heart-centered place. You know, I'm coming at it like, hey, I believe in the best in humanity. And I have the privilege and joy, just like you, to watch people make changes in their lives on a daily basis. It doesn't mean there's no steps backwards. And it doesn't mean, you know, that it doesn't take time. But I would have quit this so long ago if all I saw was drudgery and dread. So kind of the message of the hope of the conversation we're having today is like there is hope for change but also you know what I like to tell people especially the kids is the people that are committing these crimes and these acts of mass violence that's not that's not the majority it's absolutely a minority and really if we looked at the percentage wise of the population we're probably looking at like a 0.5 or less right it's not it's not a whole population of people. It's a few disturbed people that probably fell under the net that, you know, um, 
didn't get the help that they needed or refused resources or whatever the case was and decided to act on disturbing thoughts. You know, even a, even a session I had today, I said, everybody has disturbing thoughts, but the difference is the people that act on them. Yeah. And that really is the separation. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I can't even tell you how many clients they've been in tears and they've been like, you know, I was having a conversation with my friend and all of a sudden I just imagined punching her in the face. I can't believe that I would imagine that. And I was like, I don't know someone. I was like, can I normalize that for you? There's a lot of us when we get frustrated or we don't know how to say something or we get angry, right? We imagine what would it be like to take that energy and throw it at someone, right? What would it be like to do that? And sometimes people do get frustrated, right? And throw things, but there becomes a sense for most people of guilt or shame, right? Or something comes in around that stopping kind of thing around like, how could I ever do that? There's morality that sort of comes in, in a way. And, you know, it's, I guess it's, it's sort of tricky because it feels like, and again, I haven't done, you know, research and I'm sure there's outliers, but it often seems that most of the time when someone commits something, when they do the background, I'm like, oh my God, there's such a lack of resources. There's, you know, most of the time single parent families or abuse or sexual abuse or just extreme poverty, right? Like you were saying these like basic level or in, you know, more of the spirituality for chakra, right? The root system, the sense of safety are my basic needs met. Do I have those things? It's really hard to be in a heart space and a compassionate space if you don't have your basic physical needs met, but if you don't have your emotional needs met or there's addiction, right? Or abuse or things like that, your whole programming to survive that and to thrive is severely compromised. And so it's, it's like we're speaking to like a web problem, right? We're speaking to so much greater because there's all this fear and sometimes movies make me mad <laughs> around this where they, <laughs> do you have this where like there's a movie where there's just like someone who's just psycho, right? There, It's just they snap, right? Or they whatever. And I, I stare at it. I'm like, that's not real. Like most, of, and again, like someone might say, you know, bring up one story, but it's rare that you see someone commit a crazy act of violence without programming in their space that has come from a very diseased household you know yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that and mm -hmm. you know conversations that I love that you said normalized too because there there's so much of this that has to be normalized so first of all if you're frustrated that's normal I'm frustrated too you know if you're at a loss of solution that's normal I don't have one either you know, because the two extremes, and we're not going to go politics here, but it, they're extreme. Mm -hmm. The two extremes are extreme. <laughs> and trying to yep. find that middle. And, you know, I was actually reviewing with someone today that has real high anxiety and worries about hurting other people, even though they would never do it. It's so sweet, actually, of like, I'm so worried that I might do it. And I'm like, that actually tells me you're really not going to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> And, and we kind of um, kind of processed this story from 20 years ago of this woman that drowned her five children in a bathtub. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's the worst fear of a new mother, right? Like, what if I go postpartum? And what if I do this heinous, awful thing? And if I get, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's comb through this. Let's see what actually happened. Because I remember the headline, but I don't remember a detail. And so we looked it up. Mm -hmm. And really what came to be was everybody failed. The husband knew. She had had homicidal thoughts. The mother knew. And it all happened within a 15 minute window when she was oh. left alone. 
mental health 20 years ago, especially postpartum, wasn't even a thing. You know, it was really hard. And back then, you really had to be worried about long-term commitment. Nobody wanted to admit that they had any issues because one of the ways they dealt with it in the 50s and 60s was they'd kind of lock you away with the key and call women hysterical. And husbands could just go get remarried to someone better, right? I'm done with you. But it really created a fear dynamic in getting treatment and getting help. And this was 20 years ago, obviously. And the only reason I'm bringing up today is because it actually happened today and really kind of combing through and saying, I do believe even in these cases of these modern crimes that have happened a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, everybody fails. We've all failed. There was a red flag along the way. There was some kind of sign along the way. Maybe I got picked up for a minor traffic accident. I was, you know, there, there was somebody, there was something. So to me, it's just awareness, 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 and training, 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 and how to capture the signs and how to know if something's wrong and um, getting these people help. And, you know, in the, in the rare case, like you said, that they're not helpable, putting them in a position where they're living a life in kind of more isolation, right? Where they're not going to be a harm to others. And now again, I'm not trying to say I have a solution here. I'm just having a conversation about, it can't just be one thing. And us as citizens and us as parents and us as people really kind of having that holistic approach of where do we fall short? Where could I be better? You know, there's, mental health first aid classes um, all over the place where I live. I don't know if they're around there for you. Like, hey, if you're listening right now and you're like, I feel powerless and afraid, go take a mental health awareness class or a first aid class. And those are meant for community members of just regular citizens to know some signs of homicide and suicide. Right? And those two things, those two things, if you're equipped to go, hey, wow, we're having this conversation and I'm hearing some interesting things. I really, I'd like to share these resources with you. Even just a gentle kind of redirection there. And then once they're in the room and I don't know about you, but I'm constantly assessing, hey, do you have any urges to hurt other people? And people look at me and they're like, what? And I go, hey, if people didn't do it, I didn't, I wouldn't ask, but people do. So just give me your honest answer for this moment and we'll call it a day, right? I kind of constantly like, hey, it's okay if you want to, but I would actually prefer that you don't take action. And if I can be the barrier between the thought and the behavior, I will happily intervene. <laughs> you know, I will happily do my part and going, so let's go ahead and cancel the rest of my day. This is where I'm going to be. And I have some things I need to do now. Right. What are your thoughts on that? I kind of, I kind of monologued. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. I mean, I appreciate your emphasis on sort of the training pieces. There's so much um, stigma still around like being a sane person or being a crazy person too. There's a lot around like what a crazy person is or someone that has mental health sort of pieces like is in a way. And so to have a community that actually values the health of all, knowing that we're all interconnected and makes services available to start like making sure that people that don't have what they need don't fall through the cracks over and over and over again because what I hear you saying too is that there are opportunities where people are showing up in these ways but they're not being caught right in terms of and I don't even mean caught as in like red-handed but like caught where someone's like hey 
what's happening here, right? Like, what do you need? Like to have those kind of communities and services. And it speaks to something in me about how sometimes a lot of um, like dis-ease or a lot of mental health things manifest um, because of isolation. Yes. A lot of times that kind of stuff can't yes, manifest yes, in community, yes. mm-hmm. right? Like, like someone brought this up to me the other day and I, I've been thinking about it. And she was like, why do we all need our own lawnmowers? She's like, why the hell do we all spend hundreds of dollars on lawnmowers? She's like, why don't we just have a community lawnmower where we just take turns? Dance? She's like, we, each of us has one thing for everything. She's like, why do we spend hundreds of dollars rather than, she's like, would it be awful, right? To like go over to Bob's house and use the lawnmower and talk to him about his pickles he's growing in his garden, right? And then return it later. Would it be awful? Like, and I was thinking about these older ways of community and not that they've always necessarily worked, but there's been a resurgence of almost everyone I know that has this dream, right? To be in community, to go back to land, right? To have more of these interconnected things. And I also think that's also a huge way to really notice where people don't have the resources and where sharing comes in. Cause there was something that you said about like, you know, when you're talking about this idea where someone wants to hit someone, right. But it's the act of not actually doing it. Right. Or, but if you have, if you grow up in a household where you watch a parent get angry and hit the other parent and then right? You start doing that behavior over and over. And then at school, you just get thrown into tension, right? Or no one teaches you. That's actually not how we work with anger. Anger is okay, but what do we do with it instead, right? It just, those are the layers that start building and building and building for people. But if you're in community where people know you and we're not so isolated and we're sharing resources and there's a deep sense of interconnectedness around, I'm not separate from that person's pain, right? I work with a lot of empaths and they're constantly, I'm like, they're like, why am I in so much pain? I'm like, what if it's not just you, right? What if it's actually this deeper web, like that you're feeling in terms of wanting people to be well? Um, so that's what I'm taking in from the the things, lots of ideas with lawnmowers and community and things like that. But yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with that. It's more about the, the net and having more than one resource and having more than one safety net and having more than one opinion, right? Like, let's say I was at the grocery store and my bagger was just a little odd and looked at me kind of weird. I'd like a resource to be like, hey, are you okay? And if not, you know, here's, here's what you could do, right? Like, this is who I am. I'm trained in this, you know, I'd be happy to have a cup of coffee with you. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Again, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to solve it. It's just more this idea. I agree with you, Zandra, that it's not about separation. It's really about coming together. Even right now, I had a conversation with someone three days ago and they were like, oh man, you know, have you watched the news? (laughs) And I always love that question. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I'm guilty. I don't, um, I'll read the news because I can be more selective, but I don't actually watch because then I have no control over what's coming in. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of capture, you know, and I'll, I'll check into, but my point which was, you know, really what you and I were talking about prior, I said, you know, if it's the end of times, cause this was that person's fear, that's the end of times. And I said, well, you know, in Nazi Germany, they probably felt that way too. And, you know, there, there's been plenty of times throughout history where it, it could have lined up and added up too. And I said, and if that's the case, I don't know that it is. I, I doesn't matter to me either way, because I won't know. <laughs> sure. But I said, 
isn't it even more important now to lean into the people that you love to show un like an unspoken like like this whole new level of unspoken compassion this whole new level of gratitude of today i woke up and i had fresh water and if in some meteor hits the planet and if in 10 years you know we were we were watching the book of eli the other day and we we didn't get too far because it's a little slow but I was like, oh God, that'd be miserable. You know, you have to like trade your shoe for a fresh sip of water. And it's like, wow, all these things we can just ground down and be grateful for. Of Even if that's the future, it's not happening today. But today I can really show up and be a really cool human. I can be loving. I can open the door. I can read someone's name tag and call them by the first name. I can, there's so many ways that I can show up. And if this were my last day and if I got, you know, uh, gunned down in the grocery store when I was buying, you know, my groceries for the week. Did I act in a way today, yesterday, and the day before that I'd be proud of? It doesn't have to be your whole life, right? Every day is a fresh start. Every day is a new beginning. Every day we can start making these different choices of I'm not the problem because I know that those aren't behaviors that I have in my heart to do or in my mind. That's just not something that's going to happen for me but I can be part of a temporary and maybe small raindrop part of the solution. Metaphor with the, <laughs> the raindrop piece. <laughs> and there's something big that you also said, and this just popped up in my space of just like most of the people that are enacting that violence, right? Either hurt themselves at the end, right? Or they, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm, thinking a little bit in the heart space around to to offer that amount of violence towards the world and then either hurt yourself or kill yourself or you're going into I'm gonna hurt this other person and I'm dying like to really go into that space someone has to be hurting a lot right like someone has to be hurting so much also has to be hurting and angry towards other people but also angry towards themselves right you have to have probably a, a pretty high level of shame like yeah. in order to do that. So you just said something big around gratitude is is shifting into a different part of the brain where we're actually able to see our own worthiness or goodness and things like that. So it is in direct opposition to the energy that's actually required to do something like that. Because if we're able to see things in a certain light, we actually can't do those things because when we're grateful in our space there's this desire to give right like you said this sort of raindrop mentality of like I, I I don't know what to give but I can give my goodness and I'm just thinking about how many stories I've actually read of people that are on the edge of maybe taking their own life it's more just suicide based and they're like it was that one action that that person did it was that one person that day before that saved that and so even though it's a raindrop I just wonder like how many folks are committing those violences, but actually want to end their own life first. And so this actually mixes in. So what if we caught them when, if we were all experiencing gratitude and saw them and offered that energy, would that actually stop that domino effect from building, you know, on onto that? Philosophically, I don't know, right? But I, I, I totally am with you there on all we can do is bring back our own power and energy and do what we feel is best next. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as a parent, kissing my kids and loving my kids and telling them how much I love them every single day. And no matter what happens, knowing that that's a truth, 
that's never questioned. That's the best I can do that day because I can't predict outcomes. I can't predict futures. I can't predict who had access to what that day, where, who, what, where, and why. And, you know, having extreme compassion for these parents, extreme compassion for anybody that's had to go through this. I mean, like you said, like, oh God, I will bow before you. I, I have no words for the pain, for the tragedy that you've had to experience. And yet taking that and saying, I don't have control. And I think that's one of the biggest pieces of what's going on right now is this lack of control. Um, but lack of control also has a positive boomerang of saying, hey, I, we never know anyways. We just don't, you know, and it kind of brings it a little bit more forefront in our face of how much we don't know what the day brings and what could happen in a day. And yet that internal power of say the I love you is have the conversations, forgive. It's interesting. I have a, a desk that I can write on. And while we've been talking, sometimes I, I just write down things because I'm one of those people that thinks and draws mm -hmm. <laughs> simultaneously and things. And I wrote down, you know, forgiveness is for you. It's not for another person, yeah. actually, in a way. So it's interesting that you said forgiveness and that part of letting something heal us is actually giving that to ourselves in a way too. I know there's a lot of parents have trouble forgiving themselves or feeling like they they can control everything but you're so right around like we we can't we can only really do our best and forgive the small things and really be present day to day with deep love right and and do the work as much as we can you know and really um I sort of dig into that in a way and so it reminds me um of the Buddhist sort of practice of um Tonglen actually the big heart compassion practice that's talked about when there's a lot of stuff going on for other people, how to imagine breathing in and being with their suffering and then breathing out healing, breathing out light. And so this, it's interesting because part of this process for me, sometimes if I read the news is tearing up and being sort of just kind of um, shaken by that beyond just talking to you know, some of my clients about it. And so that's my, at least my process of it is how do I imagine sending deep healing energy of being able to hold it with someone so that they're not alone. It's like sending someone a soul hello and saying like, Hey, you're not alone. Like we're with you. We support you. Um, because it seems like the grief manifest even further when we're, when we're feeling alone at the same time with it too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. So this has been another just fruitful and thoughtful and beautiful conversation. Thank you for having with me. I know that it's, you know, I, I think that it's on people's hearts and I think it's on people's minds, but I don't know that people are having the same conversation that we had today. So thank you for being present, being willing and able, and just kind of holding that space for such a deep topic. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Christine. I appreciate you too. And for being able to go here. I think it's so needed. <laughs> <laughs> Great, me too. So this has been Business Therapy, Humanity Meets Business. And with Christine Salvo, sorry, I got a little tongue-tied there again. Marriage and Family Therapist, Advanced Certified Mediator, and Master Practitioner of NLP and Hypnosis. And keep yourself safe, love yourself a lot, kiss those families, do the things needed. It's a global grief experience. It's real to all of us. And, you know, 
It's okay. It's okay. You're okay. And you're not alone.